anxiety. Nervousness is so common. I'll help you get past it. I'm going to guess that there are a fair number of perfectionists out there. You might even be proud of it. We'll talk about how it can help, but also how it can hurt. And if it's hurting, a surprising way to overcome it to enhance your performance. I'm a consultant, a clinical sports psychologist, and I spend my days helping athletes and other performers be their best, either by helping them push their minds and bodies to the very edge of human excellence, or helping them recover when their performance breaks down. I'll work with teams and organizations at all levels, from youth sport to high school and college, to Olympic hopefuls and professionals, to health and corporate populations. We're all performers, and we all have a psychology that we bring to our performance. So here's what you have to look forward to in the lectures ahead. First, we typically cover the science and the theory behind a particular performance issue. We'll review the existing models and the research that supports them. I'll give examples from my practice, protecting my clients' identities, but also illustrate with quotes and stories from professional sports and Olympic games that you may be familiar with, both to entertain and illustrate the concepts. Then we'll end with how you can take these concepts and apply them in your own life. You see, while we'll be focusing a lot on sport examples, sport's a metaphor for life, a microcosm where we can learn to achieve excellence and apply it to our own lives to be the best that we can be in any area we choose. As Nelson Mandela once said, sport has the power to change the world. It has the power to inspire. It has the power to unite people in a way that little else does. It speaks to youth in a language they understand. Sport can create hope where once there was only despair. In some ways, it's my hope that this course does that for you. So to start, I'll provide a bit of history and background of the field to illustrate how and why we started, the struggles of growth and acceptance, and our maturation into the credible scientific study that it is today. Then we'll review the practice of performance psychology, what it involves and the training and qualifications needed to consult. From there, we review ethical challenges in performance consulting and close with the relevant issues addressed in performance psychology. My desire today is to provide you with a professional context from which to understand the rest of the course. With that in mind, let's begin with the history. Sports psychology got its start in about 1891, when the general psychological principles started to be applied in unique settings, like physical education. Luther Gulick offered a seminar for students studying to be physical training directors. It was during this seminar that James Naismith was encouraged to develop a new indoor game, and basketball was invented. In that same year, Naismith gave a commencement address entitled Psychology of Exercise. A few years later, E.W. Scripture and others were studying the reaction times of athletes. It seems that right from the beginning of the field, the goal of sports psychology was to develop a performance edge to win. Throughout his writings, Scripture expressed a belief that psychology could have an influence on sport performance. Norman Triplett published one of the first experimental studies in sports psychology in 1898. Because of what is now called social facilitation, his studies of cyclists concluded that the presence of another, whether paced or in competition, produced faster results. Psychology made its first appearance in the Olympics in France back in 1897 with the presentation of the psychology of exercise 
as part of a scholarly meeting to promote the science of athletics. Positive self-talk is one of the most well-known and well-researched topics in sports psychology. And we'll certainly talk about it too. And it was addressed way back in 1913 at the first International Congress of the Psychology and Physiology of Sport with about 400 attendees from around the world. It didn't take long for the idea of using psychology for performance enhancement to extend beyond sport. With studies of psychology applied to business in 1917 and the psychology of musical talent in 1919. From the 1920s through the 40s, there was a worldwide development of psychological laboratories dedicated to sport using experimental laboratory methods. Coleman Griffith, a professor at the University of Illinois, is credited with opening the first American sports psychology laboratory in 1925. He taught a psychology.